Welcome to the Sell or Die podcast. I'm your host, Jeffrey Gitterer. Well, in this podcast, we're going to help you attract more qualified, unbelievable, ready-to-buy clients. And the one thing you're hoping for blows more deals. It's time to sell or die. Diehards, welcome uh, to this edition of Sell or Die. We're here with the great Tony Durham, who uh, geographically undesirably lives in Greenville, South Carolina, where you can get there until you get there, and then it takes you half an hour to get into the damn town. But the challenge is he is in the employment business, and he has done it uh, industrially and medically, and putting himself into, into a position where he has become very well known, has a bunch of branches, has great branch managers, has great leadership, has great people working with him, and has become very successful in a business that has to walk on eggshells. And I don't know whether you do this or not, but I would go to the farmer's market every week, get a bunch of eggs, cook them, but save the eggshells so you can take them over to your places of business and say, dudes, walk on these this week and everything will be fine. I agree. Crazy, isn't it? Yes, sir. And full disclosure, Tony and I are actually friends. So I don't want that to in any way impact you or impact your feelings. But I'm going to tell you, he knows what he's doing. He's a great leader. He takes no shit from no sailors. Um, <laughs> But he's honest and fair. And I think that that is as good a description as I can give. But he's he's also, well, well, we'll talk about that as the episode goes. So please help me welcome the great Tony Durham. We're speaking to one person at a time. To the audience, the typical podcast listener listens by himself or herself. So they're on their earphones, they're going back and forth to work, and they're wondering, number one, how do I qualify for a better job? How can I get a better space in this world, which is what you provide many times? Yeah. You've enhanced people's careers significantly. But on the other hand, you have these HR people listening, they don't want their people stolen away from them. Well, let me give you news and you can corroborate it or not. The people that are vulnerable to leave will leave. Yep. The people that are not vulnerable to leave will hang up on you if you call them. Exactly. That's a fact. So let's talk about that for just a little bit. So I don't want to I don't want to have somebody from HR going, they stole my best person. No, they didn't steal your best person. You were vulnerable to lose your best person. Yeah, if that was your best person, you should have been treating them like they were your yeah, best exactly. person. And you would right. have had to worry about getting it fit them fished from you. Underpaid, underappreciated, and overworked are probably the formulas that that make people vulnerable, correct? It is. And believe it or not, the, the one that far outweighs the others is the uh, underappreciated. Yeah, I would say that as well. Without a doubt. Uh, they can monetize the money and the benefits and everything, but they can't monetize the appreciation. And that's where you come in as their boss or the leader of the company or whatever. And you've got to show that severe appreciation to them as often as possible in, in any way possible. And it will go light years beyond what a raise will do about keeping them with your company. I totally agree. But people will say, well, it's all about the money. It's not all about the money. It's, it's all about the environment. It's all about the appreciation. It's all about the, the gratification that you get when you do a great job and someone acknowledges you. Exactly. I mean, there's so many things that go into it. And money is certainly in the mix, yes. but it's not at the top of the pile. It's not. It's really not. And, uh, you know, when you hear people say that it is, you realize how they have not yet reached the pinnacle in their profession for them to still think that. You're like, you don't understand it. 
you don't understand the people. You might understand what it takes to be a mechanic or a doctor or a lawyer, but you don't understand the people that work for you for you to make that statement because you're wrong. You know, and, they're, and, and, and they often will say to me, Jeffrey, well, what makes you any different? I'm like, well, in the last 30 years, I've employed over 35,000 people and dealt directly with those. How many have you actually employed? Because I doubt exactly. you've employed a percentage of that and seen and dealt with to have this much experience to say this is the, the main problem. Yeah, I'll tell you, I have a lot of experience in employing and disemploying. I probably hired and fired a thousand people in my lifetime, but it's only a thousand. That's 50 years of business. Yeah. So if you've hired 25,000 people, just think about that. It's a town. You've hired the whole town. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I don't know how many people are in Greenville, but you're close to the population. Yeah, but we'll average anywhere from 3,500 to 6,000 W-2s a year. And, you know... The thing about it is, is uh, about a vast majority of those are the same people every year. But then there'll be some of them that's constantly changing because they haven't yet figured out what they want to do in life. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there, there's a place for those people. Don't get me wrong. Some people just don't know what they want to do yet. And they need an opportunity to get paid and live, et cetera, yeah. until they and know. They're, they're exploring what could be for them. Exactly. And you give them that, you give them that opportunity. Exactly. In, in companies that want them. But here's the here's the kicker. If you're looking for a career and you go to a, to an agency that can help you get a job and you may not like the job, that doesn't mean you don't do your best. Absolutely not. You're going to have to go to another job and somebody's going to give a report on what you did or what you didn't do and you can't say, "Well, I didn't really like it." That's bullshit. Yeah. You have to you have to do your best no matter if you like it or not. And that actually speaks more to your integrity than when you're working somewhere you really like. If you're working and give it your all at something that perhaps you don't really like, that speaks volumes of your integrity of the person you are. So when you find the right location and the right setting, then you're truly going to blossom. But if you didn't do your best when you weren't in the best situation, yeah, you know that that, that speaks to to an issue within you that somebody's got to help you improve on. You got to go home and ask your mommy what you were supposed to do versus what you did. Exactly. So let me go back historically and, and talk about a couple of things. First of all, we knew each other before we knew each other. Yeah. That's that's a big one. Yeah. And number two, when we first spoke on the phone, I got invited to give a talk at your uh, company at a time when it was kind of covid -y, it was kind of weird in the world, and everyone was scared to death about what was going to happen. And you mentioned, um, have you ever done anything on moral compass? And I said, uh, no, but I certainly know what it is. And I thought to myself, here's a guy who's giving me a clue about what he wants to have done in his talk without giving me a directive. Like, hey, throw in some stuff about moral compass. And I made my whole talk about it because I knew that it was important to him. And the moral of this diehard is when you get a phrase from a customer of yours and they give you a clue as to what they're looking for, you make sure that you don't ignore the clue. You make sure you don't make light of the clue because it's coming from somebody that that's their pro that's the core of their process. We haven't fully made this happen yet, but I can promise you 
moral compass is becoming more and more of a process as you look at events that unfold around the world of people that don't have moral compass, of people that weren't raised the right way, of people that don't do the right thing all the time, of people that aren't proud of what they did. They wouldn't go home and brag to their mom. Hey, what I did, guess what I did today? Um, and you see it in department stores where people are taking things that don't belong to them or drug stores that people, I mean, where were these people raised for God's sakes? That's not one of the jobs that you have, right? Yes. Looting? Huh? <laughs> it might have been, it might have happened on a job or two over the years, yeah. but it wasn't official. <laughs> it's unbelievable. And it's commonplace. It's almost like you see it and you're not even outraged by it anymore. Because it's so, the more you get west or the more you get into New York, the more it, it seems to happen. But I'm telling you, it's starting to spread to places that you wouldn't believe. It just happened in Charlotte the other day. It's sad. It's really it, cool. It's disgusting. It is. And not that we're any, you know, beacons of piety. Uh, both of us have probably broken at least two or three of the commandments. At least. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I, I, my statement is, I've never killed anybody, but I... I think that's about it. <laughs> yeah, Sam, but I'm not dead yet. Yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> still chance. <laughs> still chance. Yeah. But this is the point, diehard. I want you to look at your own morality and say to yourself, how is this affecting the way I do business? Whether it's as an employee or as an employer, what are you doing that you're proud of? What are you doing that you're telling your mom, hey, mom, I get, look, look what I did. This is it was the best day I've ever had at this job. And I'll tell you, um, I've just listed some of my real estate with a pretty big real estate company, Christie's, if you know who they are. They're pretty big. That's pretty big, yeah. Their moral compass is set on amazing. They have been more proactive with helping me, with talk, talking to me, with encouraging me, with telling me what they're going to do in advance. And then the other day they had a like a party or something for some of their brokers and, and they invited me. What are you inviting me for? Because you're a client and you're potentially important to us and we want you to meet some of these other people. Networking in the South is way different than networking in the North. Yeah. Uh, many of you diehards, you don't understand this, but Tony speaks fluent Southern. <laughs> very, very, unfortunately, very. <laughs> if you don't understand some of the words that he's saying, you can put them in the chat and I'll try and interpret them for you. Uh, when he says lack, it means like. Yeah. Look it up in the Redneck Book of English. It's in there somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But the bottom line is he has integrity. He actually reeks of integrity. And that carries on in his entire company with all the people that work there, with all the people that are employed there, and with that he is employing as those people. That message is passed on. And that reputation is what gets him repeat business. You don't have to ask for it. You just get it. I talked to Art Welling this morning. He's on fire. Oh, yeah. He always is. Yeah, but I mean, he's he's on fire, uh, just yeah. particularly now. He's he's killing it. He is. And the, the reason he's killing it is he does the right thing. Yep. All the time. All the time. Not some of the time. Not like on yep. Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Seven days a week, 24-7. Yep. When you meet somebody like that, you instantly respect who they are and want to be involved with what they do. Yep. And his clients pick up on it immediately. And so that's why they want to be repeat clients all the time because they trust his his judgment on what he's going to do for them. And they trust when he can't do something, he'll call them in advance and tell them. Yep. That's the whole deal. There's Absolutely. no, and it's, it's all cards on the table. Communication, it cannot be overvalued. 
Now, not everybody does it, nope. and not, it's not 100%, but when it's your mission to be able to make it happen, you make it happen. Right. I'm going to throw something at you. I was just in Los Angeles, and I did a thing for the Pawn Brokers Association of California. Have you been in a pawn shop? Yes, I have. Okay, well, I had not. I'd never been in a pawn shop in my life. So I got invited and I talked to the people. They're amazing. They're actually amazing places of business that do it honorably. Well, I had one of my friends in LA pick me up at the airport and we went to a place called the Apple Pan. The Apple Pan is a hamburger place that has three bests in the world in one little shabby restaurant. They have the best hamburger in the world. They have the best apple pie in the world. And they have the best banana cream pie in the world. <laughs> now, Tony and I, we are foodies. Yes. We want the best food humanly possible. Don't look, don't, don't have to think about it. Just look at us. But the bottom line is this place reeks of service and quality. Their motto, Tony, is quality forever. Now tell me that doesn't tell you something about the business before you ever walk in the door. Absolutely. They've been in business since 1947. I was talking about them today. I have, I stole the menu <laughs> and hamburgers are now $10 and 25 cents. They used to be four and a quarter, but that's what inflation will do. And either you want it or you don't. I'm not going to say, well, it's too expensive. I'm not going to buy that anymore. No, it's when I, when my wheels hit the ground on an airplane, it's the first place I go, the first place. And you'll see movie stars in there and you'll see motorcycle gang members and you see like the whole run of society in there. But here's the deal. It's not just quality forever. This is something that anybody can gain from. Hey, waiter, uh, can I have another Coke? Right away. Uh, waiter, can I get a piece of apple pie? Right away. Waiter, I need my check. Right away. Now, he's not telling me when it's going to get done. He's also telling himself when he's going to do it right away. They have a process in that place that they've been doing for the better part of 70 years, and it works. They have employees. I, I said to my waiter, how long have you been here? He said, not long. I said, how long? He said, 28 years. Oh, my goodness. There's people been there longer. Wow. So evidently, they make good money, but they serve like crazy. They know exactly what to do, and they never have anything given back to them that this is not good enough. It's always amazing. And it costs no extra money, well, maybe a few extra pennies, to be amazing. Right. But there's no plates. There's no, you know, it's hamburgers, french fries, and a Coke. I mean, that's, that's and a piece of apple pie, of course, uh, which if you don't have that, you're just not a human being. Yeah. And sometimes I get apple pie and banana cream pie because they're the best. But think about what you do, Die Hard. Is your stuff quality forever? Is your service quality forever? Are you going to go back to the place that you love? And are people coming back to you? That's what you have to ask yourself. And if they're not, why or why not? Um, do you have a percentage of people that come back to you? Do you know what that percentage is? Oh, there at any given time on any week over well over 50% of our client user base that week will have been previous users well over 50% at any any week ever chosen that's incredible yeah you know and then you have to ask yourself okay why does that happen and if you dissect it all the way down it's going to be because you did what you said you were going to do you did it when you said you were going to do it and everything was quality all the way through people that you deal with the invoices that you send out and this is what I found in my life. Maybe you can corroborate it if you want. You do business with somebody for a couple of years. You're allowed to make a mistake without losing the customer. Yeah, exactly. Because there's, there's going to be things that's going to go amiss at some point for some reason that's out of your control. And they just have to trust you that they know you're going to make it right. You know, and uh, you're going to do so. And they know that. So, And Die Hard, do you think 
that when you hear someone speaking with a Southern accent, that they're more believable and more likable? And the answer is, yeah. You hear somebody talking with a Philly accent, you don't trust them to who, the, no matter who the hell they are. And a New York accent, even worse. <laughs> but a Southern accent, you know they're going to be a good guy. They're going to be, I, I can't explain it, but I've lived here for 35 years and I would way rather deal with a Southerner than a Northerner. I'm just, it's been my experience. I'll put it that way. Now, let's talk about moral compass for just a little bit. How do you come up with that process or that thought? Well, it was just a thing that I've always here at the office when, because there's, you know, you, you set certain things in place that have to be done a certain absolute way. And then beyond that is a piece that employees get to decide how they want to do it. They put their own DNA on it. And you can give them instructions and everything. But I, what I've always tried to tell them is when you make a decision to do something, always do the right thing. Do when you don't know what should I do, ask yourself, what would you want them to do for you? And then do the right thing. Because I'll never get upset with you for doing the right thing. And I promise you the client won't be upset with you. So that's a win-win. So just always defer to doing the right thing. And that was why I wanted to, uh, when we got together that time about it, I wanted to do the moral compass layout because it's a, it's a way of doing our living our lives and we spend too much of our life at work, so uh, they overlap each other. How you live and how you work, those cannot be separated. I don't care what anyone ever tells you. It can't be separated. If you're a good person, you're a good person 24 hours a day, not just when you're at the house or just when you're at church. You're a good person seven days a week, 24 hours a day. So I'm going to throw this at you, diehards. Tony said that he tells his people to do the right thing. What he means is, and I'm just going to put a comma at the end of it and say, do the right thing all the time. Yeah. Because if you only do it when someone's looking, or you only do it when you have to, or you only do it when it's the most expedient thing to do, and that's the way you can resolve an issue, that's bullshit. Yep. What you have to do is it's in your either it's in your DNA, it's in your upbringing, it's in the way your parents handled you, it's who you've become as a person, regardless of what adversities you faced. Do the right thing all the time is part of how I was raised and part of how Tony was raised. And I believe that's part of our friendship. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And it's easy to spot because you don't have to remember what you said. You always kind of tell the truth. Exactly. And that way your memory is real long. Yep. And, you know, there's there's three pieces to doing the right thing. I tell them always do the right thing by the person that's first and foremost on the front line. And that's the field employee who's working. He's the guy that's out there doing the work every day. Do the right thing by him. Okay. First and foremost. Then step back and do the right thing by our client. And then make sure you're doing the right thing by the company. And there's no way that those three things should ever be unable to be put in a position to where they all three work together, as long as and you maintain the right attitude about it. Exactly. So what Tony just said, that's the that's the down under truth. You have to do the right thing by yourself yeah. first, and then you can do the right thing by other people all the time. <clears throat> you treat yourself right. Exactly. Don't, don't put yourself in a compromising position where you 
well, should I say this to this person or not? No, dude. If it's the right thing, you just say it. Just if say it's it. the right thing, you just do it. And well, I sure hope I don't get in trouble. You know what? If you have to worry about getting in trouble, you're doing the wrong thing. You're at the wrong place. At the wrong time. So these are solid business lessons, Die Hard. This is not about how to make a sale. This is about how to keep a customer. And that's more important than making one sale. When you get a customer, you don't want to lose them because you didn't tell them the right thing, because you didn't deliver what you promised, because you didn't do what you said you were going to do. Whatever the circumstances are, you become vulnerable to lose that customer because of your actions or because of your words. And, you know, I, we've all lost somebody at some point in our lives. But the lesson that you learn from doing it means don't repeat it. When you lose Ever. one, that's a very valuable thing, too. There's value in losing things because then you got to go back and you got to look. Why did I lose that person? Was there anything that I did that could have stopped this from going to that path? And yep. was did I did I contribute to the negative uh, scenario that meant we lost that client or employee? And so that's the time for introspection and to, you know, improve yourself, you know? And sometimes you're dealing with a customer and the customer is angry and they're not angry at you. They're just angry people. They may have a kid who's got a problem. They may have a car payment that they just missed. But whatever the circumstances are, they're going to take it out on you. And you're thinking, oh, my God, what did I do? And the answer is nothing. And you may just be a good listening, but, you know, like, pal, you really sound like, like I can help you because you're not happy. And I don't have any happy pills, but we can talk all you want. Um, over your shoulder is my little gold book of yes attitude. Send one of those. Exactly. Well, there it is. <laughs> there it is. I know. You need one of these. That's right. I literally have signed books to people when they piss me off. I send them a gold book. And I say, look, you need this as bad as anyone I've ever met and sign it and send it to them for free. I probably have a hundred thank you notes for doing that. Maybe more, but at least a hundred. And you'd be amazed what you can do when you give somebody something that they're not expecting. It's just a random act of kindness. And obviously people are, you know, a lot of people just don't have a good day. You know, I've done some things in the past, uh, you know, there'll be regular, regular, you know, bonuses or commissions for certain things that happen. But yeah. you get more appreciation when I just have walked into an office and for no reason, for somebody that worked there, walked over and said, hey, yeah, what's, what's going on, uh, Patricia? You doing good? Yeah, hey, let me see. Hey, there's a $250 uh, gift card. Just keep that to yourself and get you something up. And got more appreciation out of giving somebody something for actually no specific reason. Yeah. And I have gotten more emails back from people that told me, you just don't know what that meant to me. Yeah. You know, and I do that all the time. I I, I literally do it all the time. And uh, it, it's it, it gives me, it, I have to admit, it gives me a good feeling for them to feel that way. But you can tell that the people just so much appreciate it because they got something they were not expecting. It's almost like a surprise party, you know, <laughs> and uh, but it shows them that I care about their effort. I usually do it for those that are, are the in the more menial jobs, I would say, than perhaps higher management, you know. And they'll, uh, they really appreciate it. And uh, just knowing that I took enough time to care about the, the fact that they're giving their time to us, you know. What Tony just did, you guys, is a random act of kindness. And he put himself out there, which requires forethought. Like he knew who he was going to give that 
gift to. Before he went there, he had this person in mind. You can do it yourself. When you go to the airport to check in, go to the front curb and and give you know the the curb guy, the the guy that you know the handler guy, give him twenty bucks. You you may not. You, it's it's unbelievable. They're called skycaps, but really what they are is they're people that are working for tips. And it's unbelievable what people don't do. And Tony just said it. It doesn't just make the other person feel great. It makes him feel great. Yeah, it makes me feel good. I feel great when I do something. When I do that random act of kindness, and I try to do one a day, minimum one a day. When I do that, I feel like a million bucks, even though it costs me a few bucks. It's crazy how life works like that. But if it's not in your heart, it's not in your mind. No, exactly. And I think that's what Moral Compass is all about as well. It it's is. from It's here, not here. You're exactly right. So what are we going to do now over the course of the next two years until we get leadership in this country? We have to stay the course. I mean, when there's uh, any kind of disruption or volatility, what you have to do is that's when you have to stick the rudder deepest in the water and stay the course. Yeah. You don't go off course. You do the things that you know are successful. And those right. things, there's two or three things to that. One of them is have a great amount of activity. And if, you, if you're not being successful, the first thing I tell anyone, no matter how busy they are, if you're not being successful, raise your activity. And then have a great sense of urgency when you do hit something. And make sure you go after it and you supply the client with the uh, kind of attentiveness that they need immediately or the employee immediately. Anyone, just make it as important to you as it is to them. Yeah. You have to recognize also, Die Hard, that just because you are important to them does not mean that they are important to you. That's right. And the reason you're not is you haven't put yourself in that position. You haven't made yourself important. You haven't made yourself valuable. You think you're in sales when, in fact, you're in human resources. Yep, exactly. So I want to thank Tony Durham um, from Industrial for those of you who are looking to be able to find somebody or hire somebody. And we'll have some stuff in the footnotes in the chat, whatever, when the when this when this uh, podcast goes out online. But more importantly, you've just given you've just been given a life lesson, diehard, not a business lesson and not a sales lesson. Although business and sales are included, you got the life things that you need to be able to conduct yourself in a way that others will be proud of and your mom would be proud of. That will automatically make you be proud of. So uh Fun to play with you. Fun to be with you. It's always. fun to be with you. Love you. You know that. <laughs> yeah, love you too. But uh, Die Hard, I want you to have a great day today. Uh, remember, stay away from idiots and do the right thing all the time. Tony, pleasure to have you. Yes, pleasure. sir. I appreciate you having me. You guys take care of yourselves. We'll see you soon. Thanks for listening to the show. Don't forget to like, share. Yeah, share with both your friends. And subscribe to the podcast. And remember, we have a free 22-day sales challenge. Just go to Gutimer.com slash sales challenge to start you on your way.